everybody. Welcome to the actually long and awaited 17th episode of In the Study. I'm your host, Ben Marcouli, or accompanied here by my good friend and co-host, John Jack Jiggins. Hey, Ben. What's going on, brother? Not much. How are you? It's been a long time. It what? has been, I believe, over a month. Last time, I think we were done with the group stage for the World Cup. Yeah. So for everybody who may be wondering, Argentina won the World Cup. Their That's third true. one, I'm pretty sure, right? Yep. Number three. Um, We lost to the Netherlands, Cody yeah. and I, in the last episode. Back then, uh, U.S. to make it to at least the quarterfinals. Ben had Japan, I think, winning the whole thing. Yes, sir, I did. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> neither of those things happened. No, no. Uh, valiant performance. I mean, the World Cup's Don and Dustin. We're not going to spend too much time on it. But congratulations to Argentina. Uh, they played really great. Messi's the greatest player of all time, undisputedly. Enough said, I think. Also, a little shout-out to Kylian Mbappe. He looks phenomenal. Oh yes, he I carried mean, that. He carried the French team on his back. Yeah, seriously. Hat trick World Cup final is absolutely pretty wild. You you don't see an individual performance from a player like that very often. Uh, but Mbappe proved that he is different. But you know, I believe as we'll talk over and over again, it's not just it, you can't always just rely on the individuals you do need a team effort absolutely absolutely i'm pretty sure france was missing a lot of key pieces too right mm-hmm. yes yeah all right so i think we should segue into our first segment yep. we like to keep the first topic pretty lighthearted. so i think we have a a, a simulation of an nba nfl uh, type draft but we're gonna do it with dog breeds something lighthearted, something fun jack do you want to pick first or am i oh give first? me first pick. all right you got first pick My we're first doing a snake pick. draft mm-hmm. snake draft yep First pick for me, a hundred percent, has to be the German Shepherd. Bias. I, yes and no. I mean, uh, I just I don't know how you can't love the German Shepherd as a dog. Uh, it, they're just beautiful creatures. Yes, I've only grown up with German Shepherds, uh, because of the preferences that my parents and family have. But um, they're stupendous dogs. Very athletic, smart. Uh, aggressive, protective, but also um, warm and cuddly, and they're just really gorgeous animals. And I love my German Shepherd Gracie at home, so I I gotta give the first pick. You know, I'm I'm gonna go with a classic answer here. I think we all know where I'm going with this. Golden Retriever. Yeah, there it is. It's just it's just a staple. It just it just feels like a staple pick, like a a solid. You just can't dispute that being a number one overall pick. He's gonna hang. He's gonna anchor down my team. They're gonna be a great pick. You know, it's a staple of the American family. When you think of dog breeds, you really th- what what comes to mind? Chocolate lab, <laughs> golden retriever, very <laughs> obedient, very loving, dogs friendly, uh, and so Jack, I- I'm gonna throw it back to you for the second pick because I really wasn't prepared to go one two bang like that. So you're up, buddy. All right, so my second pick, I'm in between two. Um, I actually in between a lot of them. I- I'm looking them up right now. And I realize I actually like a lot of them. I really like bulldogs they're not like a, a key player you know they're not going to be the star of the team they're french really, bulldog or yeah. no french bulldog any any bulldog. bulldog i think any okay. bulldog okay. really Fair. french english bulldog um they, i don't know they're yeah they're more of like if we can compare them to a basketball player if that's what we're doing right if this was what a metaphor is they're kind of like a grant williams you know what i mean you know they're very <laughs> funny very cute very lovable they they hold down the team. They, they show up when you need them, but they're not like they're not gonna drop, you know, sixty a game, and they're not gonna show off their athletic potential to like fly through the air and catch a ball or really hunt down the 
missing whatever it may be uh, or really like defend the house and lock it down. But you know, they're great to have around. I think they're very loyal. I think they're very cute. Uh, and uh, even though I've never owned one, I think um, it would be pretty cool. I always get along with them. Yeah, no, no, no. Good. So I think I had my my golden retriever as number one pick. That's like the small forward type. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 just a player that can really score the ball and also yep. defend the basket. You know, very versatile player. Mm-hmm. I think my, for my second pick, I'm going to have to go with the brains of the team. I need this really smart dog leading the point. Give me a poodle. I oh, that's what I was smart, I'm pretty sure they're the smartest dog breed. I've do, they're, I they're gonna so. they're gonna be able to navigate the court, gonna be able to lead the offense, and also uh, they're pretty quick too, so they can get some quick steals and sort of lead the offense on the other half as well. Yep. So give me the poodle, number two pick. That's that's that was honestly supposed to be, gonna be my second pick, so now I gotta go to my third. And if we're going functionality, you need a specialist. You know, what I mean, you need someone who can really shoot the ball well. Uh, make and make things happen, but really, you you want a go-to guy in the corners. You know, is going to knock it down. And for me, that has to be the bloodhound, the the hunt, the classic hunting dog, great tracker, also very loyal and very fierce. Not always, you know, the most aggressive, but when you train them right and when they're supported the right ways, they're very versatile. Not in in a sort of pragmatic sense, you know, with the tracking, the sense of smell, but also just, you know, very loyal partners and whatnot. My friend, uh, Frankie, has had blood dogs, blood dogs, bloodhounds for more or less my entire life, and I've always gone along with them well. They've always been super funny, although (laughs) his most recent blood dog is named Flash. And Flash is the slowest oh, dog yeah. I've sure. ever seen. I'm sure. He just walks around and drools. I swear, I go to the house sometime and Flash finds me five minutes later, but I think he started walking to <laughs> me when I went through the door. Um, so that's pretty funny. So, yeah, pick number three for me is Bloodhounds. All right. I, I think, so my team, let's look at like, let's look at its creation right now. Right. we got a really smart, uh, like, point forward-ish. Poodles are pretty big dogs. Mm-hmm. And then we also got just got a really versatile mid-sized dog in the, in the Golden Retriever. I think I really need a dog, a big dog to solidify the paint. Gonna be able to protect the rim, grab a lot of rebounds, and, and also like a Jokic type player. Throw up the court, gets a lot of assists. With the Great Dane. I knew it, dude. Oh big dog. God. Like I said, able to defend the paint, yep. but I feel like they're yes. also mobile enough to get out to the oh, corners. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they got a long wingspan, and I think that my team's just looking really lethal right Real now. Strong. To reiterate, yeah. Golden Retriever at the three, do it all player, right? Poodle. Smart little point forward. Get up the court down pretty quick, but also know what to do with the ball. Yep. Not prone to turnovers. Great Dane. A little clumsy at times, but I think they're going to be a, def- a defensive menace and really solidify the paint and solidify the big man spot on my team. I'm taking the German Shepherd every day. Got to be. Uh, same, Pretty much the same reasoning as Ben, except German Shepherds are a little more aggressive, a little more protective. And I think th- I think they'll get a lot more done against maybe a weaker defren- defense. Uh, the Bulldog is not really an attacking or defensive pick. It actually has no tactical value whatsoever. It's just because I think Bulldogs are super cute. And <laughs> Fair I think enough. Sometimes you need someone who's the face of the team. Yeah, no, I get know, it. Rouse up the fans, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, and and definitely they'll have a shining moment once and again, but, you know, they're not going to be <laughs> not going to be renowned for their athletic ability. Uh, and then my last pick was the Bloodhound. I mean, true specialist in nature. Uh-huh. I wanted to put the husky in there. That would have been I, a good pick. My my, my uh, friend from middle school used to have these two beautiful huskies. They were super nice. I think huskies are great dogs, similar to German shepherds. Um, and the other one was the corgi. 
Those are my two. I was thinking about picking the Corgi too, yeah. Uh, but Corgis have no uh, basketball value. You know, at first I wasn't really anticipating this to go towards of like a, a basketball team build, but I'm kind of glad with the direction we, yeah, we I think brought it's it funny. to. I think my team is just far it's just far more athletic than yours. I think you're going to be really be beat. The German Shepherd, I think that's a the best number one overall pick you could have had. Yep. They are just intelligent, athletic, good-sized dog. But I think your last two picks, I, like the Bloodhound, you said they drool a lot, right? Yeah. Turnover machine, dude. Oh, my How God. How can you really trust it to hold on to the ball, let alone get up the court, dude? No, nah, it's not about that. It's it's about the specialist aspect. They're not Specialist gonna aspect. Dude, I got my Great Dane locking him <laughs> up. Locking locking them up, dude. Uh, All right. Oh God. This sounds vaguely like dog fighting. That's not what we're talking no, no, about. No, 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 no. We're talking about <laughs> if, if, if these dogs are playing a game of basketball. Yeah, if these dogs could play ball, <laughs> who would win? Honestly, Ben's team probably just... The Great Dane English Bulldog matchup is way too much you, of a your mismatch. Your team just like it's going. It's it's. It reminds me of this LeBron-led Lakers team right now, dude. Mm. You got LeBron. Obviously, that's your um your golden your excuse me German Shepherd. But your your pieces around him. I just don't know if they're gonna get it done. I think my team kind of has some good chemistry. Gonna fit in real well. We'll see. I'm not we'll sure see. about your team's athletic prowl or prow- what prowess. Whatever Abby, that may Abby be. didn't make the list. Abby did unfortunately Wheaton Terriers did not make the list I can't think of something they are good at (laughs) (laughs) Jack of all trades a master of none oh Abby how does that make you feel Mike Sniff nice nice I agree Abby I love you you're you're a good dog you're a good dog anyways Jack there's your team let us know let us know text me or Jack let us know in the comments yeah who's gonna win my team or Jack's team? And if you have your own picks of dog breeds, did we get it wrong? Did we get it right? What's going on here? So, that's the dog draft That's pick. the dog draft That's the dog so draft. I like that, yeah. dude. Um, honestly, don't know how to segue into the next topic. No, the segue... The, the, the next topic's a little darker. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say darker. Dark. A little more... Um, harder. More difficult. Oh, um, most definitely. Robustly. Yep. And essentially, it's truth. And truth is such a big topic, so we're gonna. I want to focus on some aspects of it. Your rela- your personal relationship, our personal relationship with truth, um, defining truth, what it is, and where it's valued. Because sometimes some people really value the truth all the time. Some people don't believe the truth is as valuable as um, some people place on it. And you know, there's variety out there and debate over whether truth is real in and of itself so if you want to just get sure so i just want to preface with saying this i think a lot of the deeper conversation we're going to have today is inspired by a book we just finished in english class joseph conrad's heart of darkness Uh, i think of a lot of just long-lasting themes that conrad conrad expresses in in his novella uh with truth deliberate beliefs last words i think they're going to be a focus of our conversation a lot today Mm -hmm. so that's just to preface where we sort of got these ideas from but jack if you want to start with what your objective reality or truth is by all means go ahead so the actuality of truth is sometimes difficult because there are interpretations of things and you don't always have all the pieces and sometimes you never will and there will always be like elements of uncertainty but you know when something's grounded in objective fact as best as it can be uh yeah i believe that obviously to be the truth and then your actual 
on a personal level, on an individual basis, the actual intentions behind your words, actions uh, that you're conscious of, maybe even subconscious of, even in your subconscious, if you can develop sort of an extended sense of uh, self-awareness, that is also your your truth. And I think sharing that and sort of valuing that is very important because, um, well, from a pragmatic standpoint, we should you should tell the truth because if you lie, then trust can't be built between anybody at all. Uh, you never, like, if someone says they're going to give you X and then they don't give you X, then why would you ever trade with them? And then suddenly society and civilizations across the millennia collapse uh, on, on that simple basis. But moving on from that sort of, I don't want to say primal level, but basic level of truth, I think telling the truth is valued because people want to believe things and they will believe things whether they're true or regardless, if they don't know better. I think it's important to be exposed to the truth so that people can factor in what is closer to reality, objective reality, than a lie is, which is, in my opinion, a complete illusion and deception. Uh, There are obviously exceptions to this rule. I believe we'll get into those later. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's where I say, I'm, as Ben knows, I'm a big, I'm big on truth. I believe honesty is a very strong policy even if it may be perceived as harmful i think in the long run it does more good than it does harm um but as ben's brought up timing with telling truth is also very important and the way in which you are able to share it is also very important uh, aspects of it as well so you can't just use the truth as an excuse to berate people with their mistakes unless they deserve it which most times they don't mm-hmm. But but some people need to hear it. No sugar, yeah. Uh, just the cold, raw, uncut thing, to really just get the job done. Sure. I think, just from a very basic standpoint, I would say truth is the objective reality, the very blunt, cold facts, a very clinical view of it. All right. But like most things in life, it's not clinical. There's always bias to the truth. Like you mentioned, uh, truth is really shaped by someone's experience and the, the missing puzzle pieces that they may or may not have. So I really think that the definition, the definition of truth is more ambiguous than just to say objective reality. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, I think sometimes the truth has teeth almost. It's biting. I think truth, like not to be cliche, but the truth can hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to... It's It's a very tiny rope to tight walk between using the truth to sort of help that person by being honest like you said like in the long run the truth will uh provide more benefits to the person than tying telling a white lie no matter if it's to cover up anything right but at the same time how do we know that that truth is going to actually manifest itself and and changes in the future we don't and so i think i'm still sort of dealing and sort of still still figuring out what exactly I believe, with regards to the truth, what exactly should and should not be told. Because largely, the truth of every situation varies from person to person. And it, it's hard to sort of solidify what exactly the truth is for any situation. And it's just sort of, it's just, it's just difficult to, to perceive and to sort of understand objective reality. Yep. And 
on that basis, I think that's why it's important to share it so that people can get as close to the objective reality and build their actions and thoughts and, and reactions off of that. Jack, uh, do you believe humans are cynical by nature? Ooh. Yes, actually. Okay, I think it's well. grounded in the biology. I, I think so as well. And I think that truth plays a large part with the innate human nature. Mm-hmm. So if we're going on this basis that humans are cynical, right? Uh, they, it, they're almost corrupt by this this selfish notion that everything should be done for themselves. Not necessarily, but a, a lot of things in life should be done to preserve the identity and, and the livelihood of the self. And so I think that telling the truth can also sort of play into that. Because the truth can almost be weaponized to fit the individual's goals. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the truth can be manufactured and it can be twisted. A twisted truth is almost as deadly as the honest truth. And I know this is very esoteric right now, but I'm just sort of trying to still formulate my thoughts right now. So it's just, this is a really deep, this is a really deep yes, discussion for me. But you also have to look at the opposite of that. I mean, obviously the, uh, the I believe the opposing force to be truth is lies or suppressed facts, right? Mm-hmm. And lies, I think are m- even more so damaging in some ways because they can still serve the same intents of the truth. Like, at least if you're getting a different perspective and it's being told from the truth and it's grounded in truth, it has more palpability to it. Sure. It has more ability to change your ideas. Uh, and if you believe something to be true, yes, that's going to feed into your um, selfish notions of it. But if you believe a lie and you found something on such a, a fault, it's false. A lie is false in nature. So the foundation is already cracked, but you're building your whole entire self-image off of that. I'd much rather build off of a truth I really believe in and then suffer truth that maybe will alter that, alter that rather than a lie that's corrupt from the beginning, uh, that I know was corrupt from the beginning, and that even so people will feed into. Sure. You know what I mean? Deception is, is I believe, truly, I know, I <laughs> pun truly dangerous. Sure. So I want to jump into an example. Sure. So especially in the Heart of Darkness, at the end of the novel, uh, we see Marlowe, who is really the main focus and the character of the story, del- attempt to deliver what exactly the truth of, I wouldn't even say the antagonist of the story, but sort of like the enigmatic puzzle piece of the Heart of Darkness. Do you want to be careful with spoilers or do you not? I think it's fine. Yeah, okay. Kurtz. And so Kurtz committed so many atrocities in the Heart of Darkness in, in, in the Belgian Congo. Thanks. And so Marlowe, once going to Kurtz's fiance back in, in Brussels, was unable to deliver the truth because she was still grieving the loss of her dear fiance. She, I'm just wondering and curious, what would your position be? If you were Marlowe, would you deliver, would you tell the truth to the intended, knowing that what you tell her cannot be changed, right? Kurtz is dead. The only thing that she has to live with is now the feeling and the sentiment that the person she once loved was corrupted and malicious. Yes. So, firstly, uh, I said this earlier, I'd first and foremost warn her severely of what the effects of these words will be on her. There's a certain degree of thing that I think it's very difficult for people to conceptualize, including myself, who haven't experienced it 
where you've seen something or heard something you never want to hear again. You want to unhear it, unsee it, and you simply can't and won't be able to. So on that basis, I'd provide that warning as you just sort of preface that, Mm -hmm. um, that it's going to be damaging, that this is really damning stuff. And it, it, it will change your worldview in a way you don't want. And then I, it would be like a pleading of trust. Just let, let it go, please. It's there's this, this is one thing you can't get closure on. And then depending upon the intended's reaction, uh, I'd have to make the call then and there. But honestly, uh, a part of me from what we read and whatnot wants to lean towards telling her. Mm-hmm. Because of my nature, but I don't know. On it, like in an actual situation, I can't say what would be doing because there'd be numerous variables, emotions running high, and, and you know, actually being face to face with the person. But I'd say if she really was like feeding into the warning, and I felt I was being listened to, and she was like, "No, no, no, I can take it, etc." Uh, then I'd probably tell her that what they were, maybe not the whole explanation of it, but then you know, let her sink, and that might lead to greater consequences. But at least. I wouldn't be responsible for her deception, for the deception that she's going through and for her to live this false livelihood. But honestly, it might be one of those exceptions where the truth is far more harmful than the opposing lie because of the isolation of the experience. Yep. No one else is going to be able to be like, he told you this? No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. What actually happened was this. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the book, Marlowe, the person telling the intended is the only person who heard Kurtz's last correct, words and correct. spent time with him. Um, so, again, it might be one of those exceptions, but I personally say I'd lean towards telling her after, like, a really strong, brutal deliberation of a warning. Sure. So, I, I at first thought of it from if I was in Marlo's shoes, right? And I don't think I would tell her simply because I f- would almost feel re- responsible for whatever uh, the outcomes are right of that truth telling, yeah. but then I place myself in the intended shoes, his fiance's shoes. I'd want the truth. I would want to know, right? I don't want to just keep living in the state where my my truths aren't the objective reality. They are false. They are a fallacy. So it's 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 a really difficult situation to navigate because if I was Marlo, I don't think I'd be able to muster up the courage and the strength to sort of tell the truth, to, to, to tell her of the atrocities her fiancé committed. Because if she was to hear that, her whole entire position on the world would just dramatically change. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like it, if I just sort of bring this to a scenario that's not really as esoteric as 19th century Belgian, right? Say one of my family members, say my sister, I don't have a sister, but say I did have a sister and she did something horrendous, right? And I I just continued to live in this notion that she was an amazing human being, right? But in reality, she wasn't. And do I want to die knowing that? Or not, I wouldn't know, but do I want to die with this false perception of someone? No. I want to seek the truth. I think as humans, we are truth seekers. I feel like our human nature sort of tells us to find what exactly our purpose here is on earth. Why are we here? And I think that sort of ties into no matter what the truth is, I think it's always best to know. Yeah, and and on that exact basis, the truth is difficult many times. 
um, I don't know, more often than not, I, I couldn't even give a number, but I think in the big moments it's really difficult, and I think lies and deception and, or suppressing the truth or telling an alternative story, I think it's just too easy, too mm-hmm. easy of a way out, and you're sort of shirking away from that challenge and not mustering up the strength and the courage. I think that fear of taking the hard route and really telling the hard facts uh, in some cases really um, stifles our ability to grow as people because we think we can't handle something. Uh, And I think that part of the truth is the mental and cognitive, emotional, spiritual, etc. challenge of it. And I think that actually has immense benefit because it forces us to grapple with things instead of being locked in a comfort zone i'm not saying you need to be constantly in a state of anxiety where you're getting berated by the truth or whatnot but the truth as a means to propel you outside of your comfort zone and reach new levels i think is immensely important and then secondly and this is very big for me lies are more or less proponents of ignorance and living in ignorance yes it's you know ignorance is bliss right but they're living in a state of ignorance i don't think is a good look i don't think i'd ever want to be ignorant i'm sure i'm ignorant to some things obviously as as everyone is but i value being taught not to be told not to be the actuality of certain situations or ideas revealed to me and allowing my knowledge to grow and i've met people whose ignorance is frankly bewildering <laughs> Uh, and those people are not people i associate myself with yeah so you know i I guess to sort of throw out a different perspective how can we make sure that the truth being told is the truth i don't think we can but i think you should try to oh of course of course i think i've sort of uh, come to the stance that i think the truth will be infinitely more beneficial to the person than even a white lie. Mm-hmm. And I've sort of grappled with that. I think for the past couple of years, I really haven't, I, w- I didn't really know how to approach telling people the truth mm-hmm. because I think a lot of my human nature and a lot of what I uh, value is, hmm, I don't really know how to articulate it, but I think that the truth will always be more beneficial mm-hmm. than a lie. And I think that boils down to sort of my inner beliefs that I've developed over the course of the few years, hence my pause. I didn't necessarily want to get into them, but I think that uh, just the more I think and the more I grapple with the idea of the truth, I realize that it is just much more of a useful and beneficial thing than even the safest and even the best way to lie. Right. I mean, it's that whole thing with the pursuit of improvement versus the pursuit of perfection. Um, You know, we're never going to reach perfection, uh, but we can really pursue it and improve upon that. I think uh, the truth is the same way. We'll never be able to reach the objective and full truth, as you said, Uh, but we can always be searching for it and reaching for it and in doing so, improving ourselves and our condition as a result. And I have to say I agree, but... Again, as we just illustrated with that really intense example from Heart of Darkness, uh, there are exceptions. And yeah. There are not. It's not. It's very often not black and white, uh, but sometimes it's some wildly blurry gray, and it's 
there are certain situations where it is very hard to navigate. These aren't hard, fast rules, but yeah, um, always there are always exceptions, mm-hmm. but there needs to be a rule first before you can have exceptions. Most definitely, the truth is the truth, my friend. Yeah, and that's and that's a fact. <laughs> the objective reality. Uh, speaking of heart of darkness. Yes. And speaking of the truth in that matter. Mm-hmm. The whole basis of that scenario was last words, right, Ben? Correct. And you had some interesting thoughts on that whole situation beyond the truth. Yeah, so to start off with Heart of Darkness again, uh, we had a lengthy discussion in class today about Kurtz's final words and about Marlowe, who simultaneously almost died with Kurtz, but he himself mentioned that he had nothing of substance to say if he was to die. Kurtz, um, the the two most famous sentences in the whole book, the horror, the horror. We don't exactly know what Kurtz was referencing, uh, but I think it's sort of emblematic of just the awful, atrocious things he did. And I think it's sort of him coming to the realization that what he did meant, in the grand scheme of things, benefited nobody not even himself. It was just mass destruction and mass chaos and mass murder for the sake of nothing. It's just terrible. And so I sort of thought, well, what would be my last words? Mm. Would I have anything of substance to say? Would I stick to my inner beliefs and my moral ballast and sort of stay grounded in, in what my moral compass is pointing me towards? Or would I be impacted by society and what should be said and what an honorable life should be. So I, th- I think it's just a kind of neat question to think about. Mm-hmm. So, so if you have any thoughts, Jack. Yes, this scenario is cr- difficult for a multitude of reasons. So I think we have to place some restrictions on it. And, and I don't think they're hard restrictions. I don't think they're illogical either. Um, those being, one, if you're, you have to be conscious of having your last words yes correct them. do you know like you have to be know your your moribund right your yeah exactly it wouldn't death. be you you wouldn't have lost your mind like that mm-hmm. yeah and um that you have lived a life and i don't know if that makes sense that like you've like things have happened to you and you've had personal experience you, yeah you've experienced it's really difficult i think it's really difficult for us i don't know if i've talked about this before but there's like something so perplexing about youth in a way and that but then seeing age and maturity it's a wild concept where like when you when you have that realization that you're sometimes just literally too young to know certain things or fully grasp them Mm -hmm. as hard as you try to uh and you know you have these realizations throughout your childhood and and i believe honestly you probably still have them as you grow up into adulthood i mean I see adults that I don't know if I consider fully <laughs> adults, but that's 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 besides the point. Um, yeah, so if we assume those two things, that a life has been lived or things have happened um, and that you have the conscious ability of your last words, I can't really say what they'd be um, because I have not lived that life yet. Uh, I don't know if they'd be anything remarkable. 
Hopefully yeah. they wouldn't be the horror. The horror. No, 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 yeah. Things have gotten really bad, but like, I'd be hoping if I was conscious of it, it would probably. I know this is. It's bland, but it's truthful, in many ways. It's like goodbye. Um, is the first thing that's coming to mind. Not goodbye to like the world in general. I mean that in a very specific way, like goodbye to. Um, you know my family my friends my um, everything I have everything I've done and um, this world as a whole not well I just said it's not supposed to be the whole world it's I want like a very tailored very tailored very definitive goodbye or goodbye farewell (laughs) Um, that's targeted to give that sense of closure I'm very big on closure I don't know why um but something final, um, not the end, but, you know, you know, you're leaving the party. You got to say goodbye to everybody. Not, not an Ir- you're not an Irish goodbye type of guy. Yeah, no, no. not really. I, I like saying goodbye to people. I like having that closure and letting, letting people know, you know, mm-hmm. that we had, we connected and whatnot, you know, being polite. Uh, yeah, I, right now I'm at goodbye, but like if it was now, now, I mean, I don't even know, cause I, you know, there's, there's, yeah, you don't know if you have tomorrow, uh, which is a crazy thing to not crazy thing to think, which is a hard thing to think about. Hundred percent. Um, cause you only know you have right now, so, I guess at that point it would be like something to the effect of I enjoyed it, I had fun, I, I, good and bad, but for the most part, it was worth it, and I'm glad I did it, the whole life thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But, obviously. I want to do more, and, and again, you never know if you have tomorrow, but try not to live with regret, I suppose. Yeah. What about you? I think, you know me well, Jack. You know that I'm quite a sarcastic kind of kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> initially, I thought <laughs> that if I was if I was just on my deathbed, and I just saw like my mom, my dad, or my significant other, if it's that time, and I would probably just look at them and flip them off. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, I'm not even lying. Because I just think that's hilarious. And if their final memory of me was legit just me flipping them off before dying, that's awesome. Like, I think that's so funny. That's crazy. But that would be in line with me, though. Yes, it would. (laughs) Yes, it would. (laughs) So, like, I just thought that'd be funny. But then I thought, like, if I actually had something of substance to say, and I don't know if I would have that right now. I don't know if I would be into the whole goodbye thing. Because I don't think that a goodbye is needed for the people you care about. I think that there's this mutual level of connection that a goodbye won't like so, sort of put the lid on it. I think that it's just it's just too deep of a connection with your loved ones to sort of just say goodbye because that connection will always be there. That's facts. So yeah, like it. <laughs> it's a really difficult question it for is. our age. I it think. Is. Or, I don't want to say for ours because I'm not saying that there aren't people who haven't had to face this question truly in real life. Yeah. But from our position and our background, I think it's a very difficult thing to conceptualize because of the way, because of our culture, first of all, and because of because of our age in that culture. Yeah. It's vastly hard to think about, um, and you know. 
that thing of having something to say is quite an interesting thing. Yeah. Because do you need something to say? Exactly. Is there something and is there something to be said? I have a thing. I don't know whose quote it is. I'm still looking for it. I hope it's not mine because that would be so boring. <laughs> like, Jack Higgins quoting Jack Higgins. I know. That would be like so ego. <laughs> that would be so <laughs> egotistical. Yeah, there's this really great quote from a famous philosopher, myself. myself. <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to find who it is because there's no way I came up with it. Um, I must have heard it somewhere, and I just can't find the author. And it's if you have, um, don't speak if you have nothing to say. Yeah, no, I've heard of that as well. Um, and I don't know. I thought it was Churchill for a while, and then I, apparently it's not. So I, I'll I'll find it, Ben. Don't worry. Um, but I do believe in the don't speak if you don't have nothing to say thing. That's why if I ever seek to speak here in a speech in class to people, if I don't have on the phone even in texting i've learned that if you don't have anything to say sometimes it's better not to say anything at all unless something needs to be said but if something needs to be said then you should probably have something to say that makes sense um but mm, like filling that silence because people silence can make people nervous uh i have a friend like that who's she's uh she hates silence (laughs) We were at lunch and I like there was like a literal three second pause and then she completely jumped topics to something else. Mm. And I was like, ah, all right. <laughs> Just and I was I was tired that day. I had midterms. Forgive me. Um, but yeah, no, the don't speak if you have nothing to say. And at the end, if I don't know if I'd have anything to profoundly say. So you know, like you said, why why even speak at all? Uh, also, sort of building off your point. Why do we feel the need to have something profound to say, right? Is that based on self-interest? Do we actually have something to contribute to the world? Or do we want to be remembered as someone who is deeply philosophical and sort of always had something to say, Mm -hmm. like a great mind? Or getting the last word type thing? Exactly. So is that just to maintain your own self-image when you're gone? Or is it because you actually have something of substance and something of value to say? I struggle with this not facing death like yeah, yeah, yeah. here with this stuff me too me too we, when we talk i i don't want to say i have second thoughts because that's not true I, I love doing this i really do and i think it's great um that we can do it with the resources that we have which is f- i think fairly limited mm-hmm. uh in terms of like a professional podcasting yeah we're chilling on my couch next to my dog right now yeah <laughs> and i think for that and the limited knowledge ben and i have of like audio tech i think we do a pretty good job and i love doing it but sometimes i go into an episode and i'm like if people were to listen to this and thank you for those who do yes but if people were to listen to this would this even be worth sharing or saying like we're i feel like we're simply not a old enough b haven't done enough and c um haven't don't know enough like academically or spiritually like we're not geniuses or experts or prodigies by any mean um as in like to the level where it would be wow this guy's like a master of his craft and he wants to be ben's a pretty good drummer i'm a fairly good student ben's a fairly good student but we're not you know we're not the crowning genius we're not like you know stephen hawking types or um ben's not like a crazy musical prodigy that was pretty disgusting at the drums 
all state. That's Ben right there. All state. Oh, I thought I was gonna say, dude. Oh, sorry, I don't. No, I was no, I wasn't gonna say that. There were some kids there that I'm just like. Yeah, like real prodigy types, right? This is wild. Like I barely made all states, mm. and I just know that the the gap between me and like the the principal percussionist in the all state band is big. Really? <laughs> yes. That's crazy. Some of those kids are just. I've I've just never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. But that's besides the point. Right. So yeah, no, uh, and on that topic, it's like when we factor those in, it's like, dude, should we even be talking right now? And then I have the thought that we don't always need to innately place all the value of words on the experts and the profound experience and the great stories. Do they teach us a lot? Yes, because they're uncommon. But I think there is something to be said about the beauty and the lessons in the common things and in the elementary experience uh, that I have and that I'd say my co-host has as well, where it's not very distinct, but even still, it's we're almost distinct because we're not distinct. I know that sounds paradoxical, but not being different well, it is a paradox. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Not being different is differentiates us from like the specialists and the experts and all of that. Mm. And you can have a more of a relatable, hundred um, percent, just grounded something that you can easily dispute or agree with. Uh, that's not super uh, grounded or not grounded, um, filled with like philosophical or scientific jargon do you know what i mean yeah like that commonality of it i think is a really awesome aspect and the art in just everyday run-of-the-road life i'm very happy for but i'm not living some crazy fanatical um dream either i'm not living an extreme life yeah um i think that's really what i'm saying that there, there's something to be said about, you know, we can sit here with our very non-extreme experiences, talk about these things, have a good time, and I think relate to a really broad audience broad audience of people that both disagree, agree with us, relate to us, laugh, cry, etc. 100%. So, my stance on why we podcast is a little different from yours. I almost think of it as knowing what I believe in is somewhere. It's stated. It's it's not in my brain. It's not just held to myself. It's out there. And whether the only person listening is you, two people, or millions of people, it doesn't matter because I know at the end of the day, my truth, what I believe in, my thoughts, my feelings, my opinions, what I like, what I don't like, has been stated and left on the table. And I know that this is like this is here forever. I don't, I obviously I can't tell I can't tell the future. I don't know if the internet will even be a thing. <laughs> like I don't know. But for the time being, this will always be here. And that, that's there that also produces a, a little duality because we got to be careful of what we say. Right. But at the end of the day, I know that say I die, right? I almost well, feel like my final words can be seen in this podcast like people my, my parents have told me that they've learned so much from me just from listening to my podcasts and 
you know that uh, on, a, on a side note that kind of makes me feel like a bad son because I, <laughs> I don't tell my parents oh a my lot. god okay <laughs> <laughs> not a bad son but like dang I, sh- I should kind of like tell my parents a little more about what I like to do but no 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 no, no. I don't know I just feel like limiting yourself to a last couple words mm. is a limitation that doesn't need to be yeah I think every word should be our last word. Every sentence is our last sentence. Mm-hmm. Every sentence holds just as much value. Every word holds just as much value as the, first one. as the first one. Correct. And so I just don't think that the a last word holds as much significance as people make it out to be. Because why value what a person believes in, what a person has experienced, what a person has to say, on such a last part of life. I know it can be reflective of what you've mm-hmm. experienced throughout your life, but at the same time, life is a journey. It's it's an endless cycle of growth and then regression and then growth. And it, progress isn't linear. But we learn so much and our perspective changed as we go along. Mm-hmm. So I like having this record book of my perspectives and how they, yeah. how they changed over time. And so I think my last words would be episodes 1 through 17 of In the Study by Ben Marcoulier and Jack Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That was really great. I love that whole thing. I don't want to say profound because I think that's over dramatic, but no, you can say that. That's a cr- oh, <laughs> it was profound. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, um, that's that's my type of humor. That's my type. Yeah. Of humor. Wow. No. Um, Good episode, eh? Yeah. I don't have much to that say. Was, that's a that's a great. That was, that was a deep episode. Um, I think that was one of our deeper ones. Explored a lot of things. I think if I can add one final sure, thing yeah, before yeah. we go, um. That record book is a document of change, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty cool in and of itself. Like you said, seeing the journey and seeing the changes. I think we should be held accountable for our words here, the things we share and the things we say. And I frankly can say I, at the time and the moment, believed everything I said, I think, mm-hmm. on episodes 1 through 17. But I think we shouldn't be restricted to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is this should not be like what we believe forever. I think 100%, there 100%. will be growth, and I think you and I know that. Yeah, and I think we're speaking with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Ben, live every moment like it's your last, my friend. Absolutely. Nothing is promised in life except death. That's intense. It's true, though. Yes, it is. It's true. And I don't it's mean to true. be... And it's his last word for today's episode. Well, now it's not. <laughs> well, now it's not. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Jack, take it away. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you on episode 18. Of course. See you all next time. Goodbye. <laughs>